everyone, and welcome to the fourth in the series of the Gladiator Soundboard podcast, proudly presented by the Gower Foundation. If you missed any of the previous podcasts, please visit the Gower Foundation website and look for under the More tab to listen to the other podcasts. My name is Bob Jankowski. I'm a proud Gower parent of a sixth grader and a fourth grader. I work in the finance industry, and I was previously the vice president and president of the Gower Foundation. Tonight's topic will be what does communication between stakeholders look like at Gower? And I am proud to introduce Dr. Victor Simon, superintendent of Gower School District 62. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, great, uh, great to join tonight. And uh, fourth and sixth grade, that's, that's unbelievable to me. Um, yes. When you were on the foundation, they were not in fourth and sixth grade right away. So that goes by pretty quickly. This already being a fourth uh, episode, I, I love the way the foundation has got these archived on their website, getting some really good feedback since the first one launched uh, a few months back, and really happy to do them. So tonight, talking about what the different interest groups are in Gower School District and how communication between those groups takes place, uh, I think it's a great topic. So looking forward to it tonight. Yeah, it's a great topic that our, us parents want to know more about. Um, you often sign off your communications with the phrase community at its best. What does that mean to you? That's a great question. You know, it's a little bit of a play on words here. When we talk about community at its best, the uh, district motto for Gower School District, as you know, is children at their best. So the last handful of years, there have been some, some challenges in and around public education. Gower's no uh, stranger to that. And when uh, we, we think about children at their best, and we know all the other interest groups that are involved, we know that we all have to be at our best. So that's really where that phrase comes from, community at its best. And the Gower School community is a diverse one, uh, it, it, a very strong one. It's a family feel. Uh, we just went through some recent interviews for a Gower West assistant principal position for the first time ever. We'll have a Gower West assistant principal next year. Really excited about that. And over just about 50 candidates for that position. And as it went further down the road, we got closer and closer. We met some stellar leaders. And to a person, they all talked about from the outside looking in, the family feel of what they thought Gower was about, what they heard about, what they read about. You know, they checked us out online, that kind of stuff. So this idea of a family feel, I, I think, represents any kind of community when they're at their best. So that's really where it comes from. Our district motto. And just uh, sort of paying homage to the fact that we have a really strong school community. I definitely agree. It's a great family feeling at Gower. Communication is a two-way street. Gower emphasized how much it values parent feedback. How does Gower use this feedback to influence programming? Yeah, the, uh, the influence word there is really, really important. Uh, well, so the last podcast, we, we talked about grading, learning. Uh, testing. And I know I spent a little bit of time talking about, and I've, I've, I've done this many times in some of our community updates as well, but I spent a lot of time talking about continuous improvement. And sometimes that gets used as a little bit of a buzzword. And, and I try to make sure that doesn't happen when, when we're talking about our work here in Gower. So when we think about continuous improvement, I really like to boil that down into a simple cycle of plan, do, check, act, and, and, and repeats. 
So after you have a plan and you go out and you do that plan, you have to check on how that plan has been going. And then you take action based on the feedback you get. And whatever those corrective actions are, now that's how you grow as any organization uh, or even a person really. So plan, do, check, act for me is a cycle of improvement is what it's all about. So feedback is this checking part. It's actually pretty easy to come up with plans. I mean, everybody's got ideas uh, to go out and put those ideas into action. That gets a little tough, you know, to go and do what you say you're going to do. Not, not every organization can, can make that claim. But I, I've seen now, this is my 26th year in education, and just as a school leader in general, that's where most organizations get stuck. A lot of planning, a lot of doing, and then a lot of planning and a lot of doing. And it's back and forth. And so instead of being a cycle, it just sort of sticks in that mode of plan do. So when you go out and check and get some progress and get some feet, you know, progress monitoring, get some feedback from the people that are impacted the most, you know, in this case, students and parents, of course, we get feedback from our staff as well, but that's critical. So just to make a point to say why we even talk about feedback and why even say it's so important. In fact, this year, 2022-23, we set a record in Gower School District, our own personal record for parent participation on the five essential survey. And there's so many reminders, anyone hearing this, like, yep, you, you know, you got plenty of reminders to do that since it opened in, in late January and just closed in late March. But that's just one form of feedback that we collect. You know, how, how are we doing? And was it going well for you? Is it is it going to plan, so to speak. And without that information, it's like we, we don't know how to, I don't think we would know how to get better. I mean, I think we'd make some guesses, but you know, I, I work with lots of other leaders in different places as well. And sometimes it sort of strikes me as maybe even a bit arrogant to think that we can come up with a plan in a community, go about doing that plan and just, you know, tinkering with it and making sure it's the best we can make it as school leaders. But you know, without that parent voice part of it, then then I think we're just sort of, you know, uh, guessing and speculating a bit. So, so of course, yeah, we get that feedback in multiple ways. And now you talk about influence. You have to use it. It's not just collecting the feedback. So we're excited to get this information from the five essentials. It'll all get summarized for us by late May, early June from the University of Chicago and Illinois State Board of Ed. You know, we'll get that back. That'll be a big help for us. And it helps us fine tune the, the plans we have in place and make those the next iteration to get better. So, so that's, that's how it all works. Uh, big believer in impact over intent. You know, we, we have our intentions as a school district. We, we know what we'd like to accomplish. But what's the impact it's having? You know, so, so we wouldn't know that unless we asked, Bob, right? Like, so... So podcasts like this, uh, this happened because the foundation reached out to say, what sort of format do you want to get information about the school in? Podcast emerges. You know, what questions do you have as parents? And, and a focus group came together to say, yep, these are basically the things we'd like to hear about. And here we are in the fourth episode talking about communication. This wasn't something that I listed or a, a board member specifically listed or anything. This comes directly from what parents wanted to hear about. And I think that was in your opening remarks too. Is like this this topic is something parents want to know about. And well, as a parent, I do see that Gower does listen to 
the public at large. So thank you. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. On the flip side, how does Gower ensure that it's communicating with parents effectively and consistently? How are we effective as communicators and how are we consistent? Yeah, I'll start with the easier part. The consistency is we think a lot about how we communicate. We we want this, and it's overwhelming the amount of information that comes out to parents. It's it's absolutely overwhelming. So we try to make sure that the cadence or the rhythm in which parents get information is highly predictable. I think that that helps. It's a sign of good communication, in fact. And so our principals will hit parents weekly. You know, here's the weekly newsletter from from Ms. Rodewald and, and Ms. Murphy. Here's the weekly newsletter. And a lot of information in there. You said you're fourth and sixth grade. So you're, you're double dose, right? You're getting both of these newsletters. And so it's a lot. And you scroll through and we try to do our best. You know, I mean, they're not, none of the members of the admin team are journalist majors, you know, like, we're, we're, we're school leaders. So we do our best to communicate and we do reach out. You know, when we talk to families, a lot of this is informal, but it's just, you know, asking questions like, how's it going? You know, anything like, I always like to ask this question if I talk to parents just randomly at an event or something to say, you know, Hey, how are things going? You on a scale of one to 10, like 10 being the best, you know, how are things going? And yeah, it puts people on the spot in a moment and it's some jest behind it, but it's more like, you know, if it's an eight, nine or 10, I'm feeling pretty good about that response. And it's everybody's got their own scale in mind. But but I even if they say it's a 10 out of 10 or 20 out of 10 and they're smiling when they say it, I'd say, you know, is there anything we could do better? And and that includes communication. So we've gotten feedback about uh, our website, for instance, over the last you know, year, year and a half in particular, when when things were more remote and highly dependent on our website and other places for for information digitally. It's like our website currently is not the most mobile-friendly site that you'll find, and it needs to become that and will. Uh, we're looking to make that adjustment this summer, and that comes from parent feedback. And I mean, we're happy with our website. All the information we want to share is there, but it's not landing in the way that is as accessible to parents uh, as it can be. So, you know, so that's how we're consistent. We do that, do that weekly, and we get feedback, and then you, of course. We have the board meeting every month, and then my newsletter will come out monthly. That's on a Thursday night, importantly, and purposefully not on Friday. You know, the same to, to not step on what the principals have going out. And then emergency communications, and we've had many of those over the years, but emergency communications, you know, those come from the district office signed by me. And, you know, when those come out, that's meant to grab attention. So I'm not sending out all kinds of blurbs about all kinds of things. Because I know that there are times where I need to reserve that kind of a uh, blast of communication for something that's super timely and important, like an emergency. Very good. Communication is built on relationships. Two core volunteer groups at Gower focuses on connecting families with opportunities to get involved at the schools, which are the Gower Foundation, the Gower PTO. What are some ways that these parents groups work with the district to support what is being offered at the schools? Yeah, so you got the, the, the foundation and the PTO. They, yes, they're different organizations. Uh, lots of overlap in terms of the people involved, certainly they're Gower parents and lots of overlap in terms of what their intent is, which is to support Gower schools and programs and, and try to bring new things to Gower that we wouldn't normally do or don't currently do. So they can, you know, put out some, some test balloons, so to speak, for programs and things like that. 
A good example is, and this goes back a handful of years, but the Gower Foundation would put some of these sort of programs out and say, hey, you know, if a teacher has an idea, we'll sponsor it. You know, we've raised some money. We've done some fundraising for things just like this. And if it sort of sticks as a good program or an effective program, well-liked, all the rest, we then work as a school district to embed it permanently, or at least as long as we can foresee into the future here. And the foundation is a, and the PTO, and I think of them similarly in this regard as well. This is groups of engaged, motivated parents that get together on a regular basis to meet and to discuss whatever programming options, fundraising options, whatever it is, the activity at hand. That's like, we, we, uh, we had trivia night recently for the PTO. We have an art symposium coming up for the foundation. This podcast, for instance, foundation. So when that parent group gets together to talk about the thing they're doing, the effort, certainly they're talking about other things as well, right? Like school, Gower, their kids, their families, neighbors, you know, how things are going. And all those conversations sort of boiled up in organized ways generally lend some support to the school as well, because there are things that might be happening in the community or in a particular neighborhood or a particular parent group or what have you that parent groups are plugged into directly and then come right back to the school to, to work with to say, hey, were you aware this was happening or did you know this was coming up or might be a scheduled conflict with some big event in a neighboring district or something that parent groups were talking about? Great, great. What do you think parents gain from being involved with these groups? It's so personal of a question. I guess it just depends on, on, on the individual, you know, certainly, but, but generally what I, what I've seen, but, you know, I've been a superintendent for 10 years. All 10 of them had been in Gower school district and the board of education is made up of seven parents, essentially seven community members elected. By, by their peers. Out of those seven individuals, there's one, uh, our board president, Ryan Asmus, is the, the remaining original board member that after this most recent election, uh, April 4th, is, is the last of the board members that, that brought me on 10 years ago, that hired me essentially. So that idea of coherence over time, that's, that's pretty special to have like a connection you know, over a long period of time. The reason I bring that up is, is to say that all of the other board members that we have uh, have direct links or lineage, so to speak, to an experience with either the PTO or the foundation, or in some cases, both. So I think that when parents are part of something, just that alone is a gain. Um, and then having these, these conversations about improving a school and working with school officials, myself, principals, teachers, of course, volunteering their time selflessly, really selflessly. And that's important because it's like all this planning goes in, all this doing goes in to an event. So I think they gain this example of community leadership. They, they, they gain experience in and around school programs and activities. And the fact that they have impact on the public school experience in their own community. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty special. I like how you brought up the personal why at the <laughs> beginning. That was great. Thank you. Um, you spent some time walking us through standardized testing and what that means for students individually. The state produces 
school report cards that are published annually. What are the state report cards based on? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm, the reason I'm sort of chuckling and hesitating just a bit is I'm, I'm, I'm an accountability fan, sure. Not a, not a huge state report card fan, o- only because these are annual report cards where the state, and I will give credit to the Illinois State Board of Education where it's due, comparatively to other state report cards, Illinois comes out favorably among the top in terms of the formatting and the amount of information that's provided in Illinois state, annual state report cards. So I'll, I'll give credit where there's a lot of information. The, how it's used in schools and all the rest is where I start to, to lose some of the faith. And again, remember, remember I said earlier, impact over intent. I understand the intent of the uh, report card. The impact that it has sometimes is, doesn't quite match that. So that, that's where I start to become a bit more critical about it. But to answer directly, like what's it made out of? The, what's great about it is that it's available on the World Wide Web, right? So the internet, you go IllinoisSchoolReportCard.com and you're there, you know. Um, in fact, it's IllinoisReportCard.com and you'll be able to see all the elements that it's made up of. So type that in here briefly and looking at, I know there's the testing and the accountability piece, but there's other parts too. It's the academic progress, the district environment, which is described by the five essentials. There's descriptions of the students in terms of demographics, population, so on. All the accountability metrics in terms of all the assessment that goes on from the state. And that was talked about in the last episode a bit. Some descriptions about our teachers, experience, percent that has a master's degree, things like that administrators, the turnover of principals, which we have, you know, make sure people here, I'm knocking on wood here. That's, you know, we don't have a lot of leadership turnover. Uh, that's important. Such So important that it's actually coded on a state report card. And then just the, the general overall demographics of the school I mentioned, and then some of the finances that go behind what happens in and around our, our school district. Additionally, there's a newer component called the equity journey continuum, which is really talking about gaps that may or may not exist across various student groups uh, in our school district. So that those are all the components. And gosh, if, you know, if I was to take a quiz on the components, I'd, I'm sure I'd pass the quiz, but it, I don't know if I'd be 100% on it because oftentimes the report card adds new elements, takes other elements away. Some are testing or, or sort of like... Um, preliminary elements that might not make it permanently and all that kind of stuff. So that's essentially it. Bottom line, Bob, is the Illinois report card is there to give a summative designation about the school itself. And the reason that there's a summative designation, how the school's ultimately doing in a scale of like essentially one to four is to help put state funding and direct state funding towards schools that are are struggling academically. Gower is not one of them. So that's where I get to the other part of the answer where it's maybe not the biggest help for us. We focus on other uh, growth metrics and individualized planning and, and all the rest and outputs for our students. Uh, but of course it has its place as a state report card. It's, it's an accountability metric uh, that's required um, for states to have. Uh, and that's what it's made up of. Great. You kind of led it to the next question is how does the state use them? <laughs> but you well, covered that already. I did. Yeah. I think, I mean, generally it's used to, 
it's interesting to me. It's like, you know, you get the, the, the bottom percent, like the bottom quartile of, of, of schools, let's say, and bottom 20%, I think it might be is exactly the cuts, 20, 25%. Uh, Gower's no, no, nowhere near that line. But that line is drawn at the bottom group to, to uh, as I said earlier, funnel funding from the state there. And that's, you know, and that's all well and good. And I think at the other end of the spectrum, the line is cut arbitrarily at, at the top 10%. And I've argued about this with the state for, for some time now. And it's not because we're not in the top 10% of all schools in the state. We're very, very close. I think, I think we're like in the 11th or 12th percentile of, of that top 10%. And we're like the top 12%. So certainly if I'm going to be critical of it, you know, that it, it gets a little bit of a sideways look to say, oh, well, you know, if you were in the top 10%, maybe you wouldn't, wouldn't complain about it, Victor. You know, it's what I might hear. But the reason I bring it up is because it's just arbitrary. You know, who says top 10% means anything? I mean, there's nothing substantive about 10% other than it's just sort of a neat, cleanly drawn line. But if there's a bottom quartile of, of, of schools that receive funding from the state, you know, my argument would be the top quartile is pretty special and, and you know, worth worthy of, of pointing out. So we'll see where that goes. Um, you know, so what I try to tell people is they get really deep into some of these comparatives of, you know, hey, this is the percentile the school's at, and this school's at a level one, and Gower's at a level two, and oh my gosh. And, you know, I, I understand it all, but I just, I, I really try to pull the brake just a touch to say, you know, how's your child doing? <laughs> like, not, not in any, you know, paternalistic way, but it's just, just really curious on a humanistic side, like, how, how's it going on a personal side? How's it going? And if it's going well, then I don't, I don't know that people necessarily use these uh, for that purpose all the time. So I, I think education is in public schools is just so personal, uh, family to family. It, 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 not every student has the best experience every single day. And that's what we work toward. Makes me feel proud as a Gower parent that you're worried about the child themselves and not the report card. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Easy to say, right? Like, but I, I really do. And listen, I, ho I hope board members hear this too. And the board members hear me say this all the time. You know, it's like, and this is, I, I am a, a school superintendent, so I understand my role, but I say this often. It's, it's not about reading, writing, and arithmetic. And that's oftentimes what's on state report cards, right? The measures. It's relationships, relationships, relationships. If they're effective, positive, meaningful, long-lasting kinds of relationships, person to person, right? Student to student, student to teacher, teacher to student, all right, all directions, all this trust playing out, all this relational capacity growing and playing out. Um, that's what that's if there are ways to measure that, and there are, and that's the five essentials. That's why I'm a big fan of the five essentials. Those measures to me matter a lot more than the others. Um, and I will tell you, and anyone listening, I said the exact same thing, serving in school districts that didn't have sort of the academic prowess and outcomes that we have in Gower now, which are outstanding and amazing. So the same tune was sung when schools were struggling in that bottom 10% group saying loudly and proudly, this is about relationships first. And, and I would say the same thing in any school environment.
What does the Gower School report card communicate about our school's performance in various categories? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think some of it's been covered, certainly, but uh, one example I just mentioned that 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 five essentials. So you know, we can get into some of the details, right? Like so, academic progress and, and accountability. You know, how are we doing? Um, generally speaking, on our English language arts uh, and in that measure, overall, um, there's been growth from 2021 to 2022 in terms of the number of students that have either met or exceeded the standards in reading, essentially, ELA, English Language Arts, or what we would, as parents, generally call the reading test. So there's some growth there from, from 21 to, uh, to 22, and we're, and we're happy about that. Uh, mathematics, a little bit of a decline from 21 to 22, but generally speaking, uh, well above state average in terms of the students that meet or exceed on that state test, the IAR test. We talked about that in, in the last episode. So that's that's what it communicates is that our students are doing well, that's for sure. The other part that it communicates is the district environment. And this is what I said earlier, if there are ways to measure trust and relational capacity, if there is a way to measure it, well, there is, and that's the five essentials. And that gets reported on our state report card. And ultimately you're looking to have enough positive measure on that five essential survey as a school to be considered well-organized for improvement. And we've been well organized for improvement and a leader in this area around the five essentials for uh, a number of years, 10, in fact. So when we think about the five essentials, supportive environment is one of those essentials. And it speaks very clearly to the fact that students feel and report that they feel cared for at our school. It's a supportive environment. So, so happy to hear that. And really, really glad, again, giving, you know, shining some positive light on the school uh, locally for us but also on the state to, to be courageous enough to use some of the real estate of the state report card, which is traditionally about you know, numbers only to say, here's a school or all kinds of schools that get measured, all of them do 800 and some odd districts in our, in our state that'll take the five essentials and get reported uh, on their supportive environment. And that comes from students and get reported on uh, what collaborative teachers look like. What does that, what does that look like in a school? What does uh, involved families look like in our school? That's three of the five essentials. And the last two are instruction and then leadership. And this comes from staff and it comes from our students. And I just love that. I mean, I think that speaks to this title overall is communication tonight. And it's just, we on an annual basis have staff and students as well as parents communicating how all of those groups felt during the year about the school year and gives us, the school, a chance to retool where we need to improve or get stronger or areas where we need to keep going and, and exactly stay in the lane that we're in because we're providing something that's effective. So I think that's what it communicates. It, it does both for us, Bob. It does the uh, academic side, but also talks about some of these things that are more difficult to measure. But I'll give credit to the state for, for utilizing a, a tool, the five essentials, to, to go out there and ask those questions to get that important data about how we're doing overall. You talked a lot about the five essentials. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you could talk about? How does Gower use these report cards to affect its approach to teaching and learning? Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so the report card itself, I, I, when I, you know, sort of on my rant about being critical of it, you know, like, so the state report card is not a document that I will, you know, walk in with or print it out or pull it up on a screen and say, you know, point and wag my finger saying, you know, we need to get better here. 
um, without knowing on our own some of the other measures that we've taken. As I said, the five essentials is more important to us because it's coming from staff and, and student experiences. So, so it's not that the state report card will necessarily have us make a left turn where we're going straight on some issue, make a left or a right turn somewhere. It, instead, it just sort of validates the, the programs that we do have in place and gives us another data point to reflect on because it's public. You know, we, we, we know that people compare these things and have questions about these things. So, so we're mindful of them. How it affects our overall approach to teaching and learning? Well, here's what's great. In the, in the position you are as a parent, fourth and sixth graders in particular, fourth graders had the opportunity to offer their voice during five essential survey season this past year. So your fourth grader had an opportunity to do it this year for the first time because fourth graders in the state of Illinois are able to take that survey and the sixth, your sixth grader is able to do the same thing now for the third year. That data point gets put into the same bucket with other fourth graders, fifth graders, sixth graders, seventh and eighth graders. And we're able to actually go all the way to the grade level and say, how's it going for that grade level? So it's one of these like casually speaking, like, hey, you best believe, right? Like if students are telling us this is happening a certain way, principals are seeing this, they're giving this back to the teacher teams. We, myself as the superintendent, are setting principal and school goals around what we can do better from one year to the next. And that's all coming from the experience of our actual students in front of us. And, and I think that's, you know, that's, that's the connection. I think the biggest flex for Gower over the last 10 years has been that our impact on the five essentials being used as a tool for school improvement has been recognized in ways that have been impacted all the way up to the Illinois School Report Card. So the way that the five essentials is even communicated as part of it has a lot to, and who's included, which students are included, starting with fourth and fifth graders. These are efforts that happen in Gower School District. I said there's over 850 school districts in the state, one of those school districts, and it's Gower. And that's why I said it's a flex. It's a humble one, but it's the sense that fourth and fifth graders in the state of Illinois would not be asked their opinion about the school year and how things are going. Had it not been for a pilot that happened years ago, started in Gower, stretched beyond Gower by our, our effort, and then was wrapped up statewide. Students are having an impact on our own experience. I mean, imagine, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> so. That is awesome, especially at the fifth, the fourth and fifth grade level. I mean, they, so many times, I'm sure the kids feel like they don't, hear, they don't listen to me, they don't hear me. <laughs> and you're giving them the, the, the platform or the voice to communicate what they're thinking. That's great. You're, you, you nailed it. Yeah. Our, our community extends beyond the classrooms in our buildings. The school report cards impact rankings that we see through real estate sites like Great Schools, Niche, and School Digger. How are rankings on these types of sites determined? It's a, it's a real estate tool. It's, um, it's neat for families that are not familiar with our area to, um, to search us out and say they're looking for a home, if they have the privilege to sort of move where they like, like, you know, they, they, they may come across some great areas and DuPage County has many of them, Willbrook, Burr Ridge being one of them for sure. And you end up being sort of classified out there in the world as what is commonly called sort of a destination district. So Gower is one of these destination districts. People seek us out and move here um, every year, you know, so, so great schools, 
drives uh, clicks and attention and in, in traffic toward toward schools. There are some issues. Uh, there are articles out there that that talk about some of the issues. I won't go into a lot of the great detail here, but I think it all stems from the fact that they're not really official accountability rankings of any kind, and um, and and they're not owned in any way by 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 the school or the state that has the accountability uh, as we do uh, publicly and officially. So. So yeah, they uh, they they take information from a state report card and they make it public in a neat way. So parents from outside looking in can get information, and parents from inside can do all this comparison. You know, they could they could say the great schools ranking of your school, you know, uh, to a family member across somewhere else. They they can make some comparisons: eight out of ten, nine out of ten, ten out of ten, uh, less than that. You know, so yeah, that's what they do. You've mentioned that. Uh, Gower's uh, ranking has gone up recently, but there's a lot of talk nationally about learning loss during mm. the loss recently due to the challenges of COVID pandemic. Mm. Um, are you seeing the same in the Gower School District? If so, what should parents know in order to help close any gaps? Gosh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's been a challenge, right? I mean, and, and certainly uh, a noticeable one. I, I did say that we have grown uh, over the last year and have maintained our high level of academic excellence as measured by these, these tests and whatnot. I think more importantly than that, and maybe not for everyone more importantly, but certainly why I, I talk about this, it's more important to know that our, our school climate and environment has not suffered in any way. Students still feel very much cared for at the school and supported by their teachers and peers. And, and that's remained steady and very high throughout the challenges of the pandemic and into this year. So really happy to see that we didn't see a loss there. In fact, we saw gains in there. Um, so I'm really happy about that. But I, I think there, there have been some learning gains to be had. Students in many places might not have performed as highly on a reading or a math test as they did before the COVID pandemic disruption and whatnot. But there have been other skills that have been pushed and uh, out of necessity, you know, some, some uh, when we think about grit and perseverance, you know, things like this. Uh, become not just words, but, you know, requirements almost in many cases, depending on how the, the the school handled COVID. I think we, by opening our doors and making sure that we maintain that continuity throughout, I think was really helpful for many reasons, not just on the social emotional side of the equation, but certainly on the academic side. So we're not seeing the same level of academic learning loss as measured by some of these tests. As I said in math, a little bit of a dip on the state test, not as much on our benchmark testing, and you know, uh, but so so we've held our own there throughout. Where we're seeing it though is on some of this, like the best way to describe it in the terms we use here is like self-regulation and sort of time on task, particularly in our our younger grades. So. You know, fourth and sixth grade are not our younger grades, Bob. Like, so you're you're sort of clear of this right now. You know, not to say that what you have ahead of you for two middle schoolers next year, for next couple of years, then high school and middle school, like what you got ahead of you is still, you know, you're still on that click 
click click part of the roller coaster and it's about to really you know you know, hang on here so you you you're not clear of it all yet but the the k to 2 specifically and and k1 even with a little bit more specificity but but we would call it our early ed so like k2 just a lot of self regulation time on task like that that is where i think the impact of the pandemic challenges for the last number of years that's where it's showing up the most i i don't know that anyone really has the answers on the full impact of all those kinds of disruptions yet but but certainly when we talk with our social workers our school psychologists and in particular our principal i'll call out specifically gina rodewald miss gina rodewald at gower west knows this specifically um we're seeing it in 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 k1 you know um so what can parents do is really if they see anything that is a struggle for their child to keep that line of communication with the teacher open I can point to the handbook and say that you know whenever there's a challenge that parents are asked and encouraged to reach out to teachers and if that doesn't work you know and we're not getting a lot of progress then you bring in the principal and so on the handbook isn't isn't all that important here it, it's 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 more like a common sense thing if school is a big part of the day you know many many hours so if there is something that's disjointed between the experience in school and the experience at home in any way i think it's really helpful for the students development over time is to make some of those like avail ourselves of some of those challenges that we're seeing so for parents to 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 really stretch a bit on the sense of the trust that they have in the school i think it's strong i do i do think it's strong but to really utilize it and reach out to the staff and and get those questions and concerns out there in the space and time so that they could be addressed because it has been a challenge the last couple of years for our, for our K and one grades. And that's where I think we've been filling in the most gaps uh, due to the pandemic. So, you know, with the, um, with the, with the theme tonight about communication, I mean, that we begin with that, we're kind of ending with that here too. It's like, you know, you got to reach out uh, our staff do, and we know parents do, hang in there uh, the best you can with that communication because you know it's worth it right like that you're here for uh, we have graduation coming up for eighth grade here just in a you know, matter of a couple few weeks uh, you know when I look at the calendar it's not too far away and you know I, I recognize these eighth graders as kindergartners you know it wasn't that long ago many of our students are here the entire time not just k to eight not just the nine grades of k through eight but also sometimes a tenth year and in many cases 11 if they were here for two years for pre-k so you know gower's involved with our families for over a decade and that communication up front pre-k is small class sizes and more of an optional program so that a lot of communication there naturally but really that k and one grade that they have to be super strong and our staff are amazing. Uh, the families are, are are wanting to be here and, and always want the best for their children. And I think that partnership and that communication between school and home, I mean, it just, they say it takes a village, right? Like, so that's, that's, that's part of, I think, what's meant there. And um, so I would just encourage anyone that's, that, that's struggling in any way. And it's not just limited to K and one. I just answering the question, that's where I'm drawn to because I see the challenges there mostly. 
we're, we're, we want it. We want children at their best. That's that's what the motto is. And to make sure that that's happening takes takes open communication, right? Both both directions, as you had said a couple times tonight. Well, thank you, Dr. Simon, for spending the time with us and going over uh, talking about communication. I so so often, I think parents feel that they're not being heard, but not at Gower. You you and the staff at Gower, Gower West, Gower Middle, the administrative staff have always been open. So thank you for the hard work that you've guys done. You are welcome. Pleasure to serve here. I said it before and say it again. Thank you so much, Bob. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good night. Good night.